You know, it's amazing about grace is that God graces us when we don't even think that we deserve it. And that's what's so beautiful about grace. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. I want to just start here, and this is going to be, this may be our last message on love. We may have one more message. Um, but what I'd like to do this it's not going to be a long message because there's a few things I just want to share from my heart about what I'd like to see God do in our church in the next two years. And um, let's just start with this verse, Ephesians chapter 3 and uh, verse 14. For this cause or for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. John Stott's translation of that verse goes like this: "Of uh, from whom the whole fam- from from whom all the fathers or all fatherhood is named." When we think about fatherhood, I think the biggest temptation that we have to deal with is really to not look at ourselves first, because if we look at ourselves first and start from if we start Father's Day from that perspective of how great a father we have or have not been, then it can be very discouraging and it can really take the joy out of the whole day. And just like with anything that we do in our lives, we really have to not look at ourselves and kind of focus on what's going on in our lives and how much we limit and how much we are limited. But really we have to look at God who is the Father, the great Father. And when Paul wrote this, he was using... Um, a special word here that describes God and His fatherhood. Now, um, I would like to look at just one very interesting series of statistics. And I don't know, how many of you like statistics here? Just statistics and percentages. And This is not a Christian um, statistic. These are not Christian statistics. These were done by the government. We know that the government's always honest, so we trust that. (laughs) Um, But just listen to what this says. It's 43% of U.S. children live without their father. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. Uh, 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. These are just different bureaus and um, departments of the U.S. government. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Uh, 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists live with only their mother. Moms, don't start getting complexes here. (laughs) 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no dad. 85% of youths in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. And lastly, fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. These are just some statistics about how important you, Dad, are in, are in, in your family. 
Another statistic I read, I think it was earlier in the week, that children are more impacted. How can I say this the right way? Children um, are more impacted by a father's love than anything else and any other kind of love. It is so important. And, you know, the Bible is not mandating that you and I be perfect dads. The Bible is not saying be thou... Be therefore a perfect father, commandment number 11. It's not in the Bible like that. The Bible is a book that is dealing with, if you read the Bible, sometimes people talk about the Bible, and I don't think they've ever really read it, because it's just filled with individuals that are, number one, not perfect people, that have failed miserably in their life, and that they've really needed God in their life, and they've really uh, benefited from the grace of God. And uh, I just think when you leave religion up to people, we're going to mess it up all the time. We need to read the Bible and just see what the Bible is saying. And the Bible talks about fathers, many great fathers in the Bible. And many times we read about great dads that are just in the shadows. They're there, but they're kind of in the shadows. And their kids are really the ones that are the ones that really make the impact in society. Um, so when we look at fatherhood, don't look at yourself. And I know that that is just human nature. But sometimes we see other dads out there and, you know, you got your kids, your grandkids with you, and you're seeing other dads out there, and they're just like the coolest guys. They just got everything going. And they look like that they are just well-liked, and they got great, they got money, and everything's going great for them. But many, many times there's an untold story behind the scenes that we don't know about. So never judge yourself by what you see or by what you see in another person's life. Don't ever do that. We need to judge ourselves as dads from God's divine perspective. And what is that? That is from the love of God. Do you know, the book of John is a very interesting book because it, it's a book about the deity of Christ, right? Matthew is a book that is about the Messiahship of Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. Luke is a book about the humanity of Christ, that Jesus was, a, was human. The book of Mark was a book about the servanthood and the uh, labor of Christ and his activity. And then the book of John is a book that portrays Christ as deity. Each of these four Gospels portray Christ in a different perspective. It's like looking at a tree from four different angles. You're looking at it, you're seeing something different, but it's the same tree. When you look at the fatherhood of God, it's very, very well described in the book of John. And actually, this is a, a book by Douglas Wilson in his most recent book, focuses an entire chapter uh, to a verse-by-verse uh, journey through the Gospel of John. And this is a unique book because what he does in this is he highlights every reference made to the father-son relationship. Douglas Wilson does this. This book is really a great book. And what he does here, there's like six or seven uh, illustrations. I'd like to kind of go with, go through them with you briefly. And then I would like to uh, share something else with you. Um, these are the different characteristics of God the Father that we see in the book of John. John chapter 1 verse 14 and I'm going to just turn to these and read these to you. And if you have a Bible, you can open it up and look with me. And if you need a Bible, we have Bibles in the back. If you don't have one, just take one home. 
We won't charge you for it. Well, maybe you can buy me a coffee, but we won't charge you for it. John chapter 1, verse 14. Um, I'm just joking about the coffee. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, Jesus Christ, His Father, in John verse 1, verse, verse 1, verse, uh, sorry, it's the syrup from the pancakes this morning. John chapter 1, verse 14. Oh, syrup. Sugar just kind of, it's like putting molasses in your gas tank. John chapter 1, verse 14 describes the father and son relationship that in eternity past, God loved his son. And when you look at the Trinity, it's a love relationship. They're all focused. The father is loving the son and the spirit is illuminating and revealing that love to the body of Christ about the, the love the Father has for the Son. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be about you and I. It's going to be about the amazingness of Jesus Christ. The Father loves His Son. And, you know, Jehovah Witnesses really struggle with this because Jehovah Witnesses say that, oh, that Jesus submitted to the Father. That means that He's less than the Father. And that's really such a bad understanding because... Uh, they don't even understand what humility is. That Jesus said, because I know who I am, I can submit and do my Father's will. There was no insecurity in Jesus' life. And so Jesus is the center of the love relationship in the Trinity and eternity past. The next verse that we see in the book of John is John 5, verse 18. You know, this is our Christian life where we are discovering week after week, day after day, that we are in Christ. This is mentioned multiple times in the book of Ephesians, that you and I are in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. And if we are in Christ, then guess who is also the center of attention of the Trinity? You and I. When we get to heaven, it's going to be amazing. Angels are going to be, are going to be so excited to meet you. All of us are going to be like superstars in heaven. Angels are going to be like wanting to talk with us. They're going to want to hear from us about what it was like to live in a life of grace. You know why? Because in 1 Peter 1, verse 12, 13, and 14, they have no idea what grace is. It says in the Bible, in 1 Peter 1, 12, that angels desire to look into these things. Angels have no idea what grace is because they never failed. You and I are the only beings in the entire universe that do get to experience this one aspect of God's nature, and that's grace. And when we get to heaven, we're, we're, we're in Christ, meaning that we're... We're riding in on his coattails. We are, we are part of the pack. We are in his tribe. We are in Christ. We are in him. And when we get to heaven, uh, angels are going to be rejoicing and uh, family members are going to be rejoicing and we're going to be rejoicing. The second verse is, Isaiah, is, is John chapter 5, uh, verse 18, and it says this, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath... But he also said that God was his father, making himself equal to God. And you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't understand that. Because the Bible describes, the only way that the Bible can describe the love relationship between God and Jesus Christ is a father and son relationship. Because there is no closer relationship that you can imagine between men. There isn't. I mean, how much closer can a man 
love than a way he loves his son naturally. And that's phileo. That's a type of, that's one of five loves in the Bible. That's why the Holy Spirit had the writers of the Bible describe the father and son relationship. It's a love relationship of respect. The father wanting the son to, to succeed, to grow to be all that he could be, and, and the son wanting to do what his father had for him. And this was really the love relationship. And so the father-son relationship was a relationship that Jesus was to do the father's will. Another, another illustration of the father-son relationship is in John chapter 10. And let's look at that. Just another beautiful verse. And, you know, whenever we look at the father-son relationship, remember to put yourself in Christ, saying, I'm in there. I'm in this relationship. Someone may say, well, I had a very bad relationship with my dad. And that very often is the case. But what we have to do, and a lot of times people take their relationship that they had with their dad and bring it into Christianity. And it affects all of their view of authority. It affects all of their views of God. And they just were like, you know, uh, and, and then they don't even realize that their relationship with their dad, which was very bad probably, is of impacting their relationship with God. The Holy Spirit has to come into our life and show to us the proper aspect of who God the Father is in our life. When my wife and I lived in communist Europe those years, uh, we saw it all the time. When you have an overbearing, abusive government that removes the rights from people, the basic rights from people, and makes it a self-serving society where everyone is giving every penny that they have just to support the state, what does that do to the, the idea of authority? It actually makes two kinds of extremes of authority in society. Number one extreme is just dictatorial. I mean, I've seen some dads in, in some parts of, of Eastern Europe that are just very dictatorial in their families. They're just like, they're like slave masters. They're like, you better honor me. And, it's, and, and then you see the other side, which is just very passive, not engaged and afraid to be the authority because he doesn't want to be interpreted as the bad totalitarian dad like in the, in the communist government. And it's funny today that most young people don't even know what communism is. That's not good news. John chapter 10, verse 28, we see these verses, and it says this, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And this is God speak, uh, This is Jesus speaking. Let's start in verse 20, 25. I told you, and, and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. And he's speaking here to the Pharisees, not to his disciples. And I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them from my hands. And that's beautiful, isn't it? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, and this is what he says in verse 30. And this was a very big statement because this talks about the father-son relationship which is secure, that we are in Christ and our relationship with God, our Father, is secure because it says here that no man shall pluck him out of my hand. My Father and I are one. 
And so the father relate the relationship that we have with our heavenly father is secure. You know, Pastor Brian Lange, which is I think just such a he's such a uh, just a gifted teacher in the subject of relationships, said that he said that the base thing that just children want to know is is that when they fail, is that am I still loved? That's the only thing that they want to know, because a lot of times when they fail, when we when they mess up. Um, parents want to just get into correction mode, which is needed. But I think if they, they really need to first understand that there is that basis of love and acceptance that, you know, you're always going to be my son. You're always going to be my daughter. And I'm never going to, you know, you're, no matter even if you're here or somewhere else, you're always going to be part of me. And that's the biggest, that's the big thing. And we see that here when we are in Christ, we are in the Father, and that's a relationship that can never be violated the next verse that we see is in John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And um, these are just beautiful verses about our future. Let not your heart be troubled, John 14, verses 1 and 2. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That's great. You have a mansion in heaven. Have you thought about that lately? I was biking recently up in, up there, up north, like near Peace Valley and that area there. and It's just very beautiful. And there's a lot of large houses there. Looking at those houses thinking, my mansion is bigger than that one in heaven. It's nice to think that way. That God is preparing a place. You know what's really awesome? That God the Father is preparing through Jesus Christ a place for us. And I think that dads, all dads, want to have some type of preparation for their kids, no matter how great or how small. And we have that security of being, having a prepared place in heaven with God, and that's our security. Here's another great verse, John chapter 16, that we, it says here that we share his joy in John chapter 16, uh, verse 23. John 16, verse 23. And that day you shall ask me nothing most assuredly. And I say unto you, whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give you. That's really beautiful, isn't it? Whatever we ask in his name. There's been a lot of discussion on that topic because many times we wonder how to ask something in the Father's name. And I like to look at it like this. If I was dad... And my son came to me asking me for something or asking mom for something in my name. Uh, would he not get it? I mean, what, I mean what, naturally, what natural father would not want to give his child something except for something that might be detrimental and dangerous? And maybe they're not even ready for it, you know? I, I don't know if you've seen this commercial. There's this dad he's getting out of his car or getting into his car and his son's got like this little toy electric car and I think it's a Subaru commercial I don't remember what it is and the dad says to the son he's like maybe four or five years old and he's showing the keys to the son he goes son are you ready and then you see the son look at the keys and there's a flashback in his mind of what it might be like for him to be driving a car living the dad's life but you know his size you know, the parking tickets, getting stuck in traffic, dropping family off at the store and things like that. And 
the son, the son said, no, dad, that's okay. Thanks anyway. You know, there are things that dads would like to give to kids, their sons, but they're not just ready for it. And I think that when we go to God and we ask for things, when we as a father go to God to the father, it's like dad, two dads talking to each other. And there's that connection. When you have two dads talking to each other, there's a little, there's an invisible connection going on there, right? Dads? No? Am I just totally out there? Are we under the influence of the syrup? From the... Okay, when two dads are talking to each other, there's something, right? There's some kind of an understanding going on, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, so when you're talking to God the Father and you're, you're praying for your family, and we should do that as dads. We should pray for our families and say, God, I want you to touch my wife. I want you to touch my kids. I want to pray for my kids. I want to, I want to pray for their, their relationship with you and just go through things. Be an intercessor. I think if you're a dad and you're asking God for things, God the Father for your family, you're asking for things that God wants to do in your family. You know, why would God not want to answer that prayer? God, just bless my kid. Keep him healthy. Uh, just protect him in school. Um, guide his steps. You know, I was thinking about graduation parties that we've been at, you know, since May and then yesterday. You know, young people embarking in their life. And, you know, dads, really, we, we have, and I say we, I'm not a dad. I'm maybe a spiritual dad, but... We have power with God to pray these kinds of prayers. I don't care what you think about yourself or how spiritual you are or not spiritual you are or if your wife yelled at you this morning. You know, just don't take that into consideration. Go to God and say, good, God, look, you made me dad here, and I want to ask you for some things in my family. And you know something? Hang in there. Be patient. Because sometimes, you know, you ever have a letter mailed to you? And someone says, yeah, I mailed that to you last week. And you're thinking, okay, it must be in the mail somewhere. It's on its way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of, we don't really do that anymore. It's called snail mail. And you kind of got this hope, like, okay, you know, I got peace. It's in the mail. It's, on the, it's in the mail. I got that peace. It's the same thing with prayer. When you pray as a father, don't get discouraged because God's got the message on the way. He's got the answer on the way. And I just want to wrap it up with these, with these things. A father gives four things. From the God the Father gives four things in the book of John. Number one, he gives us his son, John 3, verse 16. God gives us his son. If you're a dad and you have trouble when we have trouble giving, look at the giving. You know, if you look at if you look at yourself and you're seeing deficiencies, stop looking at yourself. Look at God, because when you look at God, God's going to empower you and he's going to strengthen you and encourage you. Okay? John chapter. 3 verse 16 and John 18 verse 11 God gives us his son and imagine that you know we see the story with Abraham and Isaac remember God said go and sacrifice your son on a rock up in the, you know on the mountain and uh, that's just my gosh you know he's 99 years old he waited so long for this son and God now tells him to sacrifice him what kind of God would do that and you know something it wasn't God's will for Isaac to die God had another plan. And God, as, as Abraham was about ready to slay his son, which just sounds so bizarre, God stops him and says, I see your obedience. Now I'm going to bless you. And God blesses Abraham. Sometimes as a dad, um, we, are, we are forced or we are faced with things that we have to give. And it's very painful. Some of these things we've worked all of our lives or hoped all of our lives for. But when that moment comes... Don't hold back the knife because you know why? 
if we follow through, just remember, it may not necessarily be God's will for you to sacrifice that thing in your life, but if we are focusing in obedience with God, God's going to save it, and He's going to bring in a huge blessing. And that's a big thing. Um, and I'm just trusting as I'm saying these things, God will make it personal to you uh, in your personal life and how, what that means. Number two, God gives His Spirit in John 14, verse 16 and 17. God gives us His Spirit. God is giving us His Holy Spirit. And then number, and then number three, God gives us Himself. And I'm going to close with that. John 14, verse 22 through 24. God gives us Himself. And that's really what dads are doing these days. They really give much of themselves. And I'll go back to what I was saying at the beginning is that I think that many, many times... Um, people are not aware what dads are facing these days. And they may get a lot of, I just want to say flack or whatever, they may get a lot of garbage that they themselves could not even, they're not even able to explain to other people. Like, you have no idea what I'm facing. This is what I'm facing right now. And so they just get quiet and they just present it to God and say, God, you know what's going on in my life. I'm facing this and this and this. And I'm just trusting you for this. And that's how we as dads make it through. You know, as a, as a dad, we lead with vision in the family. And we walk in. We just really trust God for our families. And just for like maybe the next five minutes, I just want to share a couple things that may or may not be related to the message but today. But um, the last 12 or... Uh, 18 months, I've just been thinking in my mind about um, just what God wants to do here. And I've just been thinking, I've been praying, and just with some desires in my heart, we've seen God do a lot of things here. Next week will be my two-year anniversary of coming on board as the full-time pastor here, and that was July 4th weekend. Thanks for putting up with me for two years and not casting me out or stoning me yet. Hang in there. It's going to get better. (laughs) I'm growing too. But I was just thinking, you know, like, um, what do we want to see God do in the next two years? And I'm a kind of a person, I like to think big, because uh, not unrealistically or fantasy world, but I think that if we are not thinking in vision, and if we're not thinking um, with God, then... If we're not acting, we're going to get acted upon, correct? And uh, that is why we sometimes may come across, for those of us that are working on the team here, as kind of like maybe very busy and very proactive. And we do this because, number one, we know the Father's love for people. And God loves people. God really loves people. We were out on one of these streets, I think it was near... Ed Werner's house in that neighborhood out there and we were just putting door hangers on people's houses meeting neighbors and talking to people and walking on people's lawns and just you know getting to know people and I like people up here because they're very transparent they're going to tell you what they think which I appreciate because I know where they're thinking I know where they're coming from I can't deal with people that are very cryptic and you just have no idea like you almost want to offend them so they can tell you what they're thinking but up here, people are very transparent. We were talking with people, and they were just sharing with me like what they really feel are just some of the desires and things. And these were Christians that I was talking to. And, you know, I would like, 
I just say this by faith, and, and you know, we've done this in Ukraine and in Poland. We have four churches in Poland. We have four churches in Ukraine. We have a building there that God gave us that is um, worth quite a bit now there, and it wasn't anything that we did, but just funds came in, and there's a building there. It's been there for years. We have two we have two day schools in there. We have a little cafe downstairs, and we have a Bible school there, and you know, I've been thinking, like, you know, I would like in the next two years, if God would allow us to do this, and it would take a team effort, it would take all of us, all of us to do this, is to, it wouldn't it be great, I know we're talking about the second floor, and that's going to, mid-July is when some of the finances start coming in, and we're going to start with our two rooms up there for Sunday school. Um, it wouldn't it be great if we were able to have, like, a Christian cafe, you know, where we would have some type of, not a super complex thing, but something that's going on like maybe in Hatboro or in this area where, because you know, Kyle and I and Becca, we were talking about, there's no good coffee places here other than Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. There's something, there's stuff down in Philly and then there's stuff up in Doylestown. But no one's going to go up there or down there for coffee. Why not have some kind of a Christian coffee place here where people come in and they can have free Wi-Fi and get impacted by the gifts of our church and by good food and the godly atmosphere and have functions there. Uh, why not have a day school or a Christian school of some kind? I mean, you say, well, there's what, how many people here, 25 people here today? How would that work? I don't know, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm not just saying that because I'm, we've seen it happen in other places. God can do it and God will do it. Uh, another thing I'm thinking is, is that wouldn't it be great if, if God could move our church to a place that has maybe a, uh, like a, a, maybe a different or better location in the area here, maybe in another place where, you know, we could have more room to grow. Our parking lot here is quite limited. I mean, we have 30, 40 people here, and we're, we're packed out. Yeah. Another thing is, is that, you know, um, if we want to grow, we also have to think about kid space, you know, um, Unless we want to have just a church with no kids. I don't know. It might be quiet. <laughs> but hey. I'm not talking about anybody, anybody's kids here. But I mean, like, wouldn't it be great, you know? Um, uh, and I think God could do it. And I think, for the, I think in the next two years, what I would like to do is I'd like to be praying with you about uh, where God could put us, or maybe we could even... Um, start a new work nearby here and just as a team like a team here have like a launch date and like a group effort and we just work together each doing our little part and just start something where it's a fresh new start where there's like maybe places to grow and you know what we did in Baltimore and you know Baltimore there was a lot more people but God did it Um, there was a shopping plaza down there and it was just in a very bad area of Baltimore. And I remember moving in there, we just, they had like a, a shopping center, food store, grocery store in there. And, you know, we started having our services in there. And, you know, the walk-in refrigerator units were still there. And, and it was a little mall, it was like a little strip mall area. And e- as each one of these little stores, like these crazy barber shops and pawn shops and crazy different things that were going on there, as their leases would end up, God would provide the means for us to take over the lease for next to nothing because it was such a bad area. Today, we have a little complex down there. 
And that happens with churches. Churches do that. And I think, I think that, you know, I think we would grow. And somebody may say, well, Pastor Chris, you're talking about numbers. Numbers are not the issue. Well, that, I, of course it's not the issue. I'm not making the issue of numbers. But I was thinking, I was driving down here in Acts chapter 2. When did God speak? When did the gifts come? When did the, the, the gospel in many languages come? It came when there, everyone was in the city, right? It was during a special feasts time in the calendar, of Jewish calendar. What I'm trying to say is, is that when God moves, he wants to move in an environment where there is preparation. And I think that if we just pray and prepare and just talk with folks that have like-minded vision about having something, I think we got a great message, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're out here pounding people over the head with the Bible. <laughs> we're not beating you up for your money, you know? Um, we're not, that's, we're not here to talk about your money or what you owe me. That's, that's not, we're not talking about that. We're here to give. You know, people giving the offerings, and we're not charging you for stuff because you've already given in the offering. We, I think we have a great message. I think we have great people. We have amazing people here, and we have great preachers, and we have great servants. And I think our team is going to grow, and it is growing. And this is only, you know, we're just coming up to the first two-year mark, and I think we're just doing great. And God's just adding new people, and I think it's going to only grow. And I don't think that, I don't think that God sent us up here to, um, I don't know. I, I just think that God sent us here because He wants to do, have a revival of some kind, a great revival. And there are people that maybe you don't even know about that are praying in their homes for our church. There's a couple just down the street that come here on Thursday nights, and they feel from God that they've been sent to our church to pray for just the work of God here. I know some of you come in here during the week and you're in here praying up a storm and you're believing God for things and I, and I, know I can feel those prayers. I, I was just in my house the other day and just thinking about certain things that are happening and God says it's because people are praying. you know. And so I just want to finish with that. Like, Let's, let's just think. I mean, I don't want to be impulsive or you know, um, hasty or unwise, but we, this area really needs something. I mean, there's some great churches in northeast Philly, and there's some great churches up in Doylestown area, and then out west there's some great churches, you know, but this area here needs a great, a great active hopping church that's really got a vision and that's going places. Another thing I was thinking about is, is that wouldn't it be great to have a very effective um, place where recovering addicts can go to, where they can just, like, get in and just get... You know, that needs a, very, needs a very specialized person to do that. Homeless people, you know, people that don't have a place. Maybe even a place where moms can go to or battered women could go to, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the area here with different kinds of human tra- trafficking going on. And, you know, this may take us five, six, I don't know how long it would take us, but why not believe, who else, uh, I don't know, why not? Who else is asking God for these things? I mean, let's ask God. Um, I heard this the other day that nothing. I heard this last night. Nothing's impossible to do when when you're not involved. Meaning that, and the, the, this guy said it this way. He said, "If you ask me to build the twin towers in a swamp in Louisiana, I'm not going to be able to do that. But there are people that can do that, and we're going to ask them to do it. And so maybe there are people that God would raise up that would." Be feel led to help out 
And so I just want to expand our horizons a little bit beyond these walls, beyond our parking lot, beyond East County Line Road. And I love this place. This is just such a miracle. We have a great asset here. Um, but let's just pray. And let's just talk about vision. And let's just talk about how we can do it. And, and um, you know, just stay tuned over the next few months. Uh, maybe in the fall we'll just talk about some more specifics and things. But... Um, and then lastly, let's be praying for the second floor. Mid-July is when we want to really start buying the material and starting come to construction for our Sunday schools and youth center up there. Amen. Amen. And this is not going to happen without prayer, without each one of us at home just praying like, God, you've got to bless my church because my family needs it. My marriage needs it. My kids need it. My, ma- my grandkids need it. I need it. You've got to just bless our church. And when we start praying individually like that, Instead of looking at the church as like those people, they, or that pastor, or those guys, we've got to look at it as a sense of ownership, and I think we do that. Amen? So let's just close in a word of prayer.